Hello, and welcome to Tell the Damn Story. I am Christopher Ryan, an award-winning hybrid author, teacher, multi-platform creative, and former award-winning journalist. Also on the mic is Kids Comic Con and the Color of Comics Exposition founder, Alex Simmons, an award winner since 1996, including an Inkpot Award from the San Diego Comic Con and three Glyph Awards from the East Coast Black Age of Comics Con. He has written Sherlock Holmes, Tarzan, Batman, Superman, and Scooby-Doo, among so many more beloved characters, and is the creator of the legendary African-American soldier of fortune, Aaron Blackjack Day, whose 1930s adventures comment on today's social problems. On Tell the Damn Story, we celebrate the trials and tribulations, the challenges and joys of creativity, and hopefully, along the way, help you decide how you want to tell your own damn story. All right. Hello, Alex. How are you, sir? Hey, hey, hey. Hey, 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 hey. By the way, I just, just got to quickly say, I just got to quickly say, um, in the intro, you're brilliant, you're marvelous, you're wonderful, but you got to drop one word. You got to drop one word because it, it, it does not speak to the power that is Chris Ryan, to the talent and the fortitude and consistency of the man and his verbiage, his wordsmith-like abilities. What word am I dropping? Former award-winning author. Former's got to go. I'm sorry. You're well, an award-winning author. It's former journalist, but I've been doing a little bit of journalism, so I'll take out former. Yeah, yeah, just take out the former, because I'm just sorry. A, just a wee bit of journalism. Just Not a, that much. Just, just a wee bit. Just a wee bit. Hey, buddy. So yeah, how you doing? I'm doing a little things? bit for um, pulpfest.com. And yep. uh, I have a little local stuff that I put out. So, yeah, I can get rid of former. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Now and it's formally formed. Yeah, <laughs> formally formed. Well formed formally, yes. <laughs> so what's happening? Yeah, I'm filling out forms. Uh, I'm, I'm doing good, you know. Um, the, uh, well, well, we're going to be doing a number of things today. As a matter of fact, we're going to be talking about return. The return of. The return of. You know, like getting all those wonderful return movies. Of the return the of. Yes, Return of the World, we are, I'm busting out. Okay, anyway, um, with... with it's the, a the, musical episode. Yes, with the vaccine <laughs> and some of the other things that are going on, people are coming out of the caves again. You know, they're coming out into the light. And it's, um, it's a, we're going to talk a little bit about what that, that looks like, what that means... You know, and in particular, what that looks like, what that means, and what that has done, or how that affects creatives. Because there's a couple of angles to that that I think we should discuss and might be useful to our audience. So that's one thing we're going to talk about. But also, you have some tips and you have some interesting news. Now, I don't know which order you want to do that in, but folks, stay with us because it's going to be... What's it going to be? Wonderful! Informative. It's going to be formally. It's going to be formally. <laughs> All, right, form. All right. So, um. Inspiring. Yeah, the way yeah I'm going to start with a bit of advice. Oh, okay. 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 Uh, when you submit, you know, when you submit to uh, stories and that kind of stuff to publications, wherever, don't give up until you hear. You know? Ah, um, okay. I heard back on a story that I submitted so long ago in the pandemic that we were calling it the lockdown. That's how long ago. <laughs> okay. But, you know, the, the, the uh, publishing house was going through the same pandemic. You know, and they said, I'm, uh, they actually apologized for, you know, this seemingly endless process and thanks for your patience and all that stuff. Ah, but they sent oh. me a contract, you know, and we've talked about contracts ooh, before. Ooh, ooh, and, I'm sorry, wait a minute, let me enjoy this again. Ooh, 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 okay, there you go. There you go. That's a, <laughs> a, a slight Alex Simmons time machine because he sounded a lot like Horshack. Um, oh, no, Google actually, it. that's Google even it. further back, further back, further back. It's Officer Tootie from oh. Car 54. Ooh, 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 Google ooh, it, ladies ooh, and gentlemen. Ooh. Google it to see how truly immortal Alex Simmons is. <laughs> but anyway, Chris, you were saying. So we're talking about contracts, and we have spoken about contracts on the show before. Um, there are good contracts and there are ridiculous contracts. This was a really cool uh, contract. And they um, it was about a page and a quarter. Ah, nice. You know, and they were place. very clear about what they wanted and for how long they wanted it. 
and it was a very an extremely reasonable amount of time, and they were very clear that all rights revert back to the author, and, all that, and that's the kind of thing you're looking for. Um, and it, it, you know, I I'm not going to retire on the check that's coming, but that's really not the function, right? <laughs> when you're when you're an emerging artist, when you're an emerging author, that's what yes, we call it. When right. you're old, you can't say you know, beginner or uh, just starting out, um, when you're an emerging author uh, or re-emerging in my case, yes. um, it's about it. It's about the line of the resume and it's about the credit and building your platform. And this is a good company um, and they have a, uh, a couple of rec- recognizable um, uh Publications properties. they put oh, out yeah. and properties and uh, yeah, it's a, good, it's a good line in the uh, resume and I thank them for that and uh, it was an interesting book. I, I don't know that I can talk about it yet and that's kind of a cool thing. I was going to ask yeah. you. Yes, I was going to ask you. When will you be? A, yeah, I was going to ask you when can you talk about it. But okay, that's cool. Reach out and ask them when can I start uh, promoting this and all that. Stay so, with us, folks. Stay with us. Yeah. Just keep in touch with this right. series because at some point, Chris will reveal, he right. will reveal the yeah. title oh, of the story I'll, I'll, and the book. Because it, it's another great bit of advice because the the theme of it, you know, was, or the hook of the anthology was kind of obscure. Um, well known, but obscure. Okay. okay. Uh, I'll explain later. So, it, like, it, okay, it, listen, what it, wherever you can be creative, you should be creative. You know, uh, Joe's, Joe's publishing house, maybe not. Sorry, Joe. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if you know the, if you know the publishing house, then, yeah, you know, yeah. It, Even it's if an it's exercise Joe. in creativity, right? Tell your yeah. damn story yeah. and find out where it fits, right? All right. So now we're going to move to a second topic. Yes. Yes. What is that? Long-time listeners of this show yes. uh, will remember or may remember that um, I have been on a creative journey with probably my most successful book, right? most successful novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, the former, uh, oh, can't use that word anymore. Yeah. The award-winning <laughs> police supernatural thriller uh, that was once known as City of Wall. And... Um, I felt that I had grown so much as a writer that I, I wanted to rewrite it. And, and if even if I have to put it out myself again, um, I feel like, all right, that's, I'm satisfied with the level of the writing, right? Mm-hmm. And then as we were doing this, I came up with, uh, you know, I was concerned that, um, you know, the story is a modern-day supernatural cop thriller, sure, but underneath it all, is um, the threads of Dante's Inferno. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like Virgil and Dante going through the levels of hell, Mallory and Gunner are each other's guide. You know, sometimes they're in the, you know, Mallory's Virgil, sometimes he's Dante, you know. But that's the only concession. They go through a very modern uh, uh, a version of Dante's Inferno. And I said, wow, two, just this year, like two white guys going through, you know, and the idea is in modern life, we make help, make life help for each other or potentially do. And I was like, two white guys, yeah, really? In an age of white privilege, uh, are they the best, <laughs> are they the best metaphor for this? And I, I said, what, what can I do to make it more representative? Right. And I, I think that was um, a sincere, uh, effort, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's there's a way of saying, okay, what can I do to take advantage of the market? What's hot? Let's see, right? You know, is it African Americans? Is it Indians? Is it is it LGBTQ? You know, and and that would be just soulless to do. But I said, all right, how can I make it more representative and more inclusive, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, myself just reimagine Mallory and Gunner. And Mallory stayed more or less the way he is, but the way he's described, you can, uh, you can, except for his name is, you know, Frank Mallory is pretty, you know, white bread, but you can put on him, you know, if you felt like I see him as this or that, I wouldn't argue. Mm. 
if you saw him as, you know, more ethnic or less. I wouldn't argue because I wrote him like that. I didn't, you know, mm-hmm. it's Al Flesh. Nothing like that. I just, you know, um, Gunner, I saw a different version. Instead of Alberto Gunner Gennaro, I saw a possibility for Alberta Gunner Gennaro. Uh-huh. And uh, she would be as tall as Gunner is, as sloppy as he is, um, but female. And um, she would be lesbian. And um, it was how I saw, you know, and I kind of struggled with it on air, talking to you about it. Mm-hmm. Should I do it? Do I have the right? And uh, decided to jump in. And it has been going really well. Uh, as, okay. as you have shared with as the audience. All right. So we're going to put that to the side and we're going to talk about last week. I had talked about Divination Hollow. I had written a story uh, featuring an earlier time with Stevie, a transitioned uh, uh, woman uh, from Genius High, a young mm-hmm. high school student. Mm-hmm. And it was early. And it, um, I, did the, I did the story of um, her first date and, or her, first, her second kiss ever with her first boyfriend and Jock saw them and screamed out a terrible word and chased them and there was a beating and all that stuff and um, because it was supposed to be a horror thing but I misinterpreted and Divination Hollow were extremely generous in explaining that one they probably uh, LGBTQ plus don't really want to relive that painful part of their lives. Mm. They were really looking at what Ghana would be, you know, in in Everyone Pays, the new name for City of Woe, that, you know, someone who is that as part of their life is, is you know, is an LBGTQ person in part of that, but they're going through their everyday life. Mm-hmm. It happens to be caught up in a horror. Ah, you learn something there. But they also pointed out, and again, generous, 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 um, that I missed some nuances and um, the ways people would react in the way in this. And um, that gave me a lot to think about. Mm-hmm. Because, again, if you're sincere in your efforts as a writer, you want to get that right. Um, so um, I was neck deep in StokerCon yesterday. StokerCon's going on this weekend. As in Brom Stoker? Yes, it's, okay. it's the Horror Writers Association's convention, and it's all virtual. And I uh, pays my money, and I went in, and it was really delightful because so much of it was pre-recorded that you could not, you didn't have to miss anything, you know? Mm-hmm. You could do the live events, but then you could get them later, or, like, I, I didn't watch, I was so exhausted, I didn't watch the awards last night uh, live. I watched it this morning over morning tea, you know, so you could go all around through it. Um, and there was um, LGBTQ plus was represented a few times in some of the many, many panels that, um, and um, there was just little hints of that same kind of thing the divinationhollow.com was kind enough to bring up to me. I guess they sensitized me a little bit to mm. hear it in these panel discussions. And it came to my mind, and maybe one of the reasons why I'm hearing all this is, uh, you know, sometimes a message comes to you. And, yeah. You know, the universe is speaking. Yeah. The universe is speaking, you know. Um, and it's it's up to you whether you are aware enough to hear it or not. I think the universe is telling me to stay in my lane. That's what came, you know, hmm, who am I at this point in my life to write a novel-length piece about a lesbian woman 
who takes extra effort to not be seen as a, uh, not be objectified at work and who is uh, recovering from the devastating end of a relationship and is accepted by her partner and her family. You know, there's so much nuance with all of that. I don't know whether I'm there or not. And it dawned on me that I have thoroughly edited. I went through edits and rewrites twice with the, the professional editor. And um, that version, to quote her, really sings now. So, Gunner is back in original form. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and it's, it's not, you know, you may have noticed as, you know, throughout our plus years of friendship that um, I can beat myself up on a <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've brought the medical kit, bro. <laughs> so um, I have uh, uh, gotten really uh, put in a lot of effort over the last several years to remove that or, mm. or reduce that. So I had, I was ready to say, okay, are you beating yourself up? Are you copping out? Are you showing respect? Are you recognizing where we are as a culture? You know, um, I think everyone would love to have everyone represented in every book. And that was my original inspiration was to try and be more inclusive. But the feedback on several fronts that I'm seeing, whether it's cancel culture or whether it's um, culturally um, in a bunch of different places, Maybe uh, it's not the time to not go to to go forward without perfection. I think that I think we may have overcorrected as a culture, maybe, and that might incite some cards and letters. I apologize. <laughs> um, there's a lot to correct. Um, but at least I, and I'd love to hear what you have to say, but I, I really am getting the message of politely, uh, but stay in your lane. You don't know the nuances. Um, and you got to figure out what, how, how do you tell the damn story? Do you wait till you can learn every single thing before you tell the damn story? Or do you tell the damn story as you feel it in your heart? And the version that I have now where Gunna is male, I truly, you know, I believe it's the best version I've ever written. And, uh, and because I wanted to try and get to that next level, I was willing to try that experiment. But as I was trying that experiment, the, the ground kept getting... Uh, more, more dangerous, you know? You have to get, you have to not only get it right, but be seen as someone who should be allowed to. Mm. And, and I, if it's going to get in the way of the, uh, of the story, telling of the story, then I'm not serving the story. And I, I don't know that I can 100% respectfully nail all the nuances. So let me react to this. That's uh, kind of why yeah. I brought it up. Yeah. Because, yeah. again, it's something that so many writers are, are, are yeah, 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 working yeah, yeah. through right now, you know? And, and I, you know, it's funny because we've had a similar conversation uh, um, a couple of different times now uh, as a white man as a white man should you write you know blackjack and some other things 
And, you know, I think that this is, this is a sensitive area that some of us will be aware of the sensitivity of it. And uh, a lot of people are not. And I'm not even going to say whether that's good or bad. I will say that is what is because ultimately throughout time, throughout time, men have written stories about people that they have never been true. All right. Just constantly. Okay. Um, I think one of the things that, during my lifetime, I was happy to see was the battle for the rights of people who are not white males to write whatever they want to write about. In other words, a black person can write a story that is not just about black people, but is about the characters within the story, be they what they are. And that we have a right to do that, to have that voice out there. Uh, I have never been, and I've said this before in certain episodes, I've never been a cartoon dog, never in real life, and yet I've written Scooby-Doo. It was that one night. Yeah, I'm not going to, I had too much to drink, It's we're not going to talk about it. Um, <laughs> I've never I know been, nothing. I've never <laughs> been a multi, you know, billionaire uh, living in a cat in a mansion with uh, hot cars and a funny costume with a long pointy cape, never done that. I've never lived in the jungle. I've been to Africa, but I've never swung in trees. And I've written Tarzan, I've written Batman. Uh, I've written about teenage girls, and I've written other characters. And I am thrilled to have the opportunity to do that. I think where my responsibility falls is in doing the best job I can, and as you said, trying to serve the story. And I think from what you've said and from some of the other conversations we've had, I think you're well within your rights as the kind of person you are and the kind of writer that you are to explore what you feel and what you felt was a desire to be more inclusive and a desire to try and be more organically inclusive and in that realm, that wonderful playground of imagination and creative possibilities, you said, yeah, I could turn this character into this, and it would, um, it would bring about that, that, that thing that I wanted to accomplish. And then as you did it, and this is, this is where it starts to get more sensitive, as you did it, there's one, how well you did it, mm-hmm. and could you do it better? And then there's who will allow you to do it. And those are two completely different filters. Yes, I agree. And I would be more concerned as the kind of person that I am and knowing you, I would be more concerned if you back down because of who would allow you to do it as opposed to what you also articulated is your own feelings about not being sure if right. you can actually get it right, right. you can serve well, it. You know, that way, to me, I think, well, hang on. <laughs> that to me is the genuine you right. asking the genuine, real, most important question is would I do the best job I possibly could with this? And if not, yeah, maybe I should. Oh, and how does Gunner feel in this original form? Oh, that feels okay. So that's you being true to you. And I think that's key to the kind of writer that you are and the kind of person you are. Well, and and I agree. And um, some of the thinking was, well, are you backing away from that arena completely? And and the answer is no, because Stevie exists. Mm -hmm. I I think she exists well and does what I was hoping she could do. Well, she insisted being in much more of the book than I had planned. <laughs> yes. Once Stevie arrived, she, she like, became the diva that she you. really is. There's right? another problem. Let me handle that for you. Yeah. yeah, I got this. I got uh, this. Right. Yeah. But it's more in line with what I think Divination Hollow was trying, which was we want to see uh, ourselves reflected in everyday life. And reflected well in everyday life, and that's why in Genius High, I I believe uh, there's no way am I 
taking her out of that because I think she does. And it's, it's what I had intended people to look to if they were feeling pain and, and thinking that, you know, I wouldn't get there in my mm. trans. But she's transitioned. And then I also learned from Divination Hollow that, you know, the, the horror story that I recognize as horror is something that too many of them have experienced mm. and don't go back there. Mm-hmm. You know what? That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Lesson learned, right? Yeah. But I already have, I have her where she is. And then the idea about nuance. Did you get all the nuances down, you know? And uh, my thinking is if, if I couldn't get the new, if, or if um, generous and kind editors um, of, and I, at least they represent LBGTQ+, plus, if not that's their actual life, I don't know enough about them, uh, if they can see uh, nuances that weren't picked up in a 12-page short story, do I want to throw that on the shoulders of a novel that I love and really believe in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there might be another time, and uh, I would point to Stevie as my contribution to that conversation. Um, but I think what I'm learning is that I've already completed my best version of this particular tale. And, and I would agree with you uh, in terms of your thinking. I haven't read the new version yet, so that's one. Two, oh, it's listering. It's, no. <laughs> <laughs> Two, I would say that like many other uh, journeys, creative journeys that we can go on, you can, let's say through divination, and then suggestions that they've made or just in terms of pointing out that there are certain nuances you you can use that short story and subsequently others to get better at that to become more oh, yeah. right you know? so that's fine you haven't you haven't leaped off the path you've just slowed down your your progress on it and that's fine um I would liken this and, and then I, I think we should you know at some point move, move to our main topic right right but I would liken this to the thing uh, that happened with a simple rebellion, uh, you know, of changing the title and, and all that as, as life was happening, you know, with that book. Yeah. Uh, that book, that book was such a wonderful demonstration of someone living through an era and trying to respond to it at the same time. And again, organically, it was coming from your gut. Right. And, and you, as, as McGregor likes to say uh, on occasion, bled for. You bled for that book. You bled during the book, and you even bled for a little time after the book, and, and we had to get you into triage, uh, you know, but you're, you're better now. You're better now. Um, and then there was a time when you were thinking about changing the title on it, and I was thinking, and even, even my sons were saying, no, don't do it. Don't do it. No, it's, it's, it is what it is. It came out genuine and, and raw and and solid as as the story that it was and i think you do you question as we all do we question what we've accomplished and could it have been better and that's a good thing um yeah. as long as it doesn't drive you insane it's really good thing, you know? <laughs> well that's part and parcel of the journey yeah I, I think with simple rebellion uh january 6th is it was the problem mm-hmm. because it it changes the interpretation against my will, it changes the interpretation of uh, that book's ending. Mm-hmm. So I think the book needs uh, 10 to 20 pages. Um, and I also, the, the, you know, again, I've, I've never been African-American. No, but, I've checked. Uh, you haven't been. Oh. But there is, there is that element of the story as well. And um, I think there's, three or four more pages that I want to add there. Um, because I was really brutally honest with um, how I think America would treat that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I want to give them a moment more. Mm. It might still ultimately um, go where it goes now, but I want them to have just a little more victory. Mm. I, 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 you know what? It's it's your property. Go for it. I'm, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've said it before. I'm always worried about you know and. You and I have hoped for the change and try to live as the change we wanted to see. Mm-hmm. And in some of the conversations that have gone on for the last couple of years, um, one of the things I keep pointing out is is if not, not give it time, not one thing at a time, none of those old cliches, but if you want the world to change, you have to be very clear on what you want it to change into. Mm-hmm. If it's just if it's a knee-jerk reaction, although in these last couple of years there have been several several times when the knee-jerk reactions were well justified. But if we're talking about long-term vision, I think you have to think about what you want that to be. And how to get there. And, and how to get there, yeah. Yeah, really. Because that's, that's, that's the other thing about a rebellion is it, a lot of times it's more emotion than strategy. And, and I, I've, you and I have been around long enough to have seen a couple of mm-hmm. revolutions or demonstrations or movements. And there's a pattern, such a clear pattern, that when a certain momentum is hit, and people think, well, now we can take, now we can demand it all. And that's when it shut, the other side shuts down and the movement fails and it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and I see it, you know, I don't do union uh, negotiations anymore, but I see the young ones who are doing it putting up with absolute nonsense and I know where it's going to lead. You know, and I suggest just call for uh, mediation now because mm. you're going to go six more sessions, seven more sessions, go through all the heartbreak and, and frustration each time and then get to mediation. So why, why do that to yourself? Anyway, we're going to we're going to shift. Know, we're going to shift because we, to, yes, we've, yes, we're gonna, we, we've we have to uh, get it, muddle, yes. muddle through all this. Yes. But that's the end of the um Gunna Saga for now. Hopefully the next time we bring uh, that up, it's because we've de- decided on publication somehow. Publication dates, or or you'll be receiving awards, whichever comes. Uh, publishers, yes. your <laughs> cards and letters are welcome. Oh, yes. Your offers are more welcome. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so after secretary's call, immediately. Okay, the number in Jersey right, is so, Bigelow 2. Yeah, okay. Meanwhile, we are yeah. a week away from Memorial Day. Yes, we are. And um, various states, definitely in this East Coast tri-state area that we find ourselves in, but various states are lifting up masks, mask bans and all that sort of stuff. And um, we're finding ourselves suddenly going back to the world of faces and, uh, and society. You know, and there's a story uh, in this morning's uh, Jersey covering. There was like a hundred person, 60 to 100 people at a house party and gunfire broke out. Oh, geez. One of those masks. So, so yeah, people are going to have to get used to being around people again. And, um, you know, the conventions are going on. The conferences. This is probably the last yeah. round of the conferences, remote conferences. Um, so how do we get back out there, make the adjustment back, you know, well, yeah, yeah. an eternity That's, ago, yeah. we had to make the adjustment into isolation. Yep. Now we have to all come out. And... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny cause we've got, we've got the social implications and then we've got the creators uh, or creative implications, and and so let's let's take social first. Um, 
as human beings, yes, we're coming up out of the caves again. And it's, it's interesting what's happening because we, we're either people are doing it like they're peeking out, you know, they're looking up and down the street and stepping out and trying to navigate. The mask is now like off the nose, you know, but it's still covering the mouth, but it's off the nose, right? Uh, and, and typically not so great. But. Right. <laughs> and then there's, there's, you know, there's all of these, I don't know, you know, in terms of the nation or even the world, but I do know in New York City, there are pockets here and there where restaurants receive permission to build out uh, a temporary shelter either just outside the store on the sidewalk or literally in the in the parking spots on the in, along the gutter along the curb uh they've built all built out these shelters for people to eat in so they can still have that you know safe distancing and all that and so but i'm seeing now those shelters which usually had like a table empty a table full a table empty a table full. now i'm seeing table 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 full 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 yeah you've got you've got you know air outdoor air circulating around you but you're literally within spraying, spitting, and coughing distance of the person right next to you. So it's, you know, to some degree, people are rushing out almost like a stampede. Get out there and get back to connecting and, and partying or drinking or, or being able to go shop uh, and feel normal again. And I think what we're at 70, we're almost at 70%. Uh, people inoculated in the United States. I, I don't have the exact numbers. I just heard this yesterday in the news. Partially inoculated. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's that. It's a certain degree of feeling safer. Mm-hmm. With a small percentage of people who are still, you know, contracting the disease in some way, shape, or form, but it's not as horrible, uh, even after they've received inoculation, and and we've still, unfortunately, as in the other day, um, within the comic book industry, we've lost another uh, writer, um, artist, um, uh, by the name of Dave Kraft, who uh, just passed away due to COVID. Uh, so a few people, yeah, a few people are still, you know, struggling with either sick, Lee, or it has become fatal. So I think one is the society is desperate we're desperate to 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 live again in that exaggerated form that we we call normal uh, again because it it will make people feel like there's hope and there's life and there's there's goodness and the rainbow is going somewhere and there's all that good stuff um, but again some of it requires that we be a little bit more cautious and and take it in steps right. as we are adjusting to just being able to be in larger groups of people uh, and trying to be safe so that we're not going to spread variants, you know, along. And, and don't get me started on the whole conspiracy thing again. I'm not going to discuss it. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, enough bodies have been put on for me to go, this was serious, this was real, shut it up. Okay. And all the other aspects of it, whether, you know, the vaccination is forever or it's a yearly thing. That's not for this episode. Yeah. What we're talking about is reacclimating. You know, mm-hmm. I went through a thing eh, a couple of months into the pandemic where I went to a supermarket with, you know, mask on and everything. And I lasted about 15 minutes before, um, what is his name? The actor who played a Klingon in Star Trek. Um, wow. Uh, the, the the search for Spock. Star Trek Three. The he, oh, he was oh, in taxi. Oh. Was yeah. Um, uh, oh, oh. And he was oh, Back oh, to the yeah, Future. He, he played. He played. Yeah, he played the professor in Back to the, the right. Future. I'll look him right. up. With your so the name uh, about 15 minutes into that supermarket uh, uh, sojourn, I saw him in full um, Klingon uh, makeup uh, saying, what do you see? And his, his Klingon troops have gone on to the Enterprise. This is just the computer talking. 
some kind of numbers. Let me hear. Five. Four, right. Three. And then there's a close-up on him going, get out! Right. Christopher That's Lloyd. What, Christopher Lloyd, of course. Christopher Lloyd. So yeah. that 15 minutes into the supermarket, I'm hearing Christopher Lloyd as a Klingon going, get out, yeah. get out. And that's fully masked early on. Now I realize that I may get another visit from Mr. Lloyd. Uh, first time I go into a supermarket or a mall or somewhere like that where no one is wearing a mask. Because we've been so conditioned that full face equals death. Mm. You know, and we're mm. going to, and, and there's no way to know who's vaccinated, who's not vaccinated. You know, and let, you know, there's no, there's a large V <laughs> on your forehead <laughs> that means he's okay or she's okay. Yeah. So there is going to be that, you know, become getting more acclimated, and then, you know, as writers, whether fully, uh, um, um honored and recognized as is the legendary icon known as Alex Simmons or, you know, emerging, whatever I am, re-emerging um, uh, uh, author. Those conferences and even the conventions um, are key to the profession, mm -hmm. you know, and participating in, in those was something that... Um, you begin to to ascend. Yeah, I'm or, supposed or to be. I'm, I'm supposed to be scheduled to do one in Grand Rapids in August. Look at you. you know, yeah, if if it comes if it comes to to fruition, yes, I will be in Grand Rapids, Michigan, in August. Yeah, uh, it, beginning uh, or end of August? Uh, towards the um, I think it's towards the end of August. I have to look beginning up. Beginning of the August, date. I'll be in Pittsburgh. There you go. See, there you go. We're meeting at uh, Pulp Fest. Yay! Yeah. So, so again, it's it's there's a there's a human element of us interacting with one another, and and creating bonds and sharing in certain experiences and sampling of each other's talents and goods, you know, in terms of books and things like that, and and that that sort of joy, play, work environment that we are so accustomed to. And it has a celebratory uh, aura to it. Mm, yeah. And, and, and then there's the other side of it. And this is the side that I find interesting. Um, as writers, and Chris uh, and I have talked about the process so much over the 30 years that, yeah, I know exactly, or at least I feel I know exactly where his head is on this. Um, as writers, we observe the world we experience the world we have our own personal experiences and then they're the ones we observe others going through and we file it away we file it away mentally we make notes about it uh, some part of it has an effect on us emotionally which again gets stored in our experience uh, treasure chest for that time when we are writing, when we are creating, when we are generating new worlds or new characters and situations, and we call on all of that as fuel and, and inspiration. And yet, for the past year and, and a few months, we have, most of us have been living the exact opposite. We have sequestered and been removed from a lot of that natural interaction and exposure to life and, and uh, civilization as we normally experience it. And subsequently, have we been drained? Have we uh, lost some of the natural ease with which we do observe and take in and embrace life and store that? And I do know, just to, to, to sort of bring that part of the statement to a period, uh, I do know of a, a creative that I was listening to just the other evening at a, at a little Zoom gathering, and they were talking about how just a couple of weeks ago, because they, they, they live alone predominantly, they had gone to an event at a friend's 
gathering and it was outdoor and it was, you know, reasonably safe space kind of thing. So there was maybe like 12 people there, 15 people there. And the, the artist said that after a while, after about an hour, they felt overwhelmed, too much input and they had to go and they, you know, immediately zipped back home where they could nice. then take the time to process the input. Now, the, this is New York. I mean, you, you get on the subway sometimes to go somewhere in a normal environment. This, this, that's like a 200 people that you move through in the course of 45 minutes. So for 12 people to overwhelm you is like, wow. And that's partially because for the past year, this person has lived a lot of their day-to-day solo. And so how does that affect, oh, the hounds, the hounds, how does that affect us as writers is a, is a question. What, what do we feel? And I'm, I'm putting this not only to you, but I'm also putting it out there to the audience. How do you feel? Do you feel different? Have you noticed anything? You know, have you dealt with it? Um, well, you know, I work in a school during the day. And um, I put my mask on in the car. And I take my mask off. When I get back in the car, you know, disinfect the hands and then the mask mm-hmm. comes off. Um, for a while, I was driving, just driving for a while, to, just in case there were any, I don't know what or why I wasn't comfortable in taking it off. So it was steps. So, okay, now I'm down to, I can take it off almost immediately, you know. Next step would be taking off as I get out of that uh, building rather than waiting to the car, you know, and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, I've had a, a sip of water occasionally, and I go like this, and that's that's problematic, you know. So um, what I'm going to suggest um, is these things that happened incidentally that I saw were helpful. My um, my son, your godson, and my other son's girlfriend both graduated from yes. NYU uh, Wednesday. Hey, hey, hey. You know, the original plan was to graduate in Yankee Stadium. Mm. And, of course, it wasn't, uh, they weren't ready yet. You know, uh, still the pandemic. So they said, all right, it's going to be virtual. So we had it on our back deck, you know. And and, uh, thankfully, the deck's a little on, on the large side. But we only had, like, you know, immediate family. But, you know immediate family winds up being, you know, and, and Taylor's immediate family, uh, uh, Sean's girlfriend, uh, that winds up being somewhere between 12 and 20 people, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on the deck. No masks. Mm. Someone asked for uh, hand sanitizer, so we brought that out for them. But other than that, there was no conversation about any of that, you know. And that was the test. Let's see if I go through this whole thing without, um, what was his name now? Chris, uh, Christopher Lloyd. Without him showing up in my head. <laughs> yeah, this, get, out! Lloyd, get out! Get out of there! Yeah. Um, but he didn't show up, God bless him. And uh, it was a nice evening. Um, remote yeah, uh, graduation and all that sort of stuff, um, which is going to mark the experience of those who are graduating, you know, these years, but it's the same kind of thing. Um, what I'm thinking is, hmm, is there a way that you can host writer friends, you know, if you're only comfortable with six, an evening of readings with six and then 10 and then 15, mm. you know, so you get used to, you know, and, um, During the summer, you know, was just coming up rapidly. Little bigger journeys and big journeys. You know, I'm gonna. Are you, um, we're going to go to a museum exhibit, the Van Gogh immersion exhibit. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many people are going to be there, but I know I'm going to be in Manhattan. So I'm going to have. I'm going to try to go through that whole thing with the with the mask in my pocket. You know, depending on what the rules are at the time. Um, little and then start expanding your groups might be a way to reacclimate yourself 
or you know what i am going to go into that supermarket and see what the rule is if the rule is no mask deep breath and then i'm going to try it and try and hold it while he's in and then turn around like that but i think that i think that might be some of the way we're going to go um i don't think they're going to say masks off in school this you know during this school year i haven't seen any emails about that i think that would give me pause because I, i'm also i'm also I, no thank you for that i'm i'm also yeah. curious again though or and um again about people who have been sequestered solo or with only like two or three people maybe within their family right. for so long really sort of like live it's, it's almost like you know the bomb shelters from the 50s right, right. and i yeah. think you got to you got to try and arrange to meet people out of that circle small numbers and then try a little big number to you got to test it you know right also again what is it done to our psyche as creatives what you know again um i i'm jeremy brit who's a um a british actor uh for many 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 years he's he's passed on but he played sherlock holmes with the bbc uh series in the 80s in particular and uh by the way benedict cumberbatch who's played him in sherlock uh played the character uh, sherlock in the series sherlock uh cumberbatch and and uh, uh brit were the families were were friends so so it's interesting that you know sherlock knew the the, the upcoming sherlock but the reason i mentioned benedict um um jeremy brit is that i met him uh a number of years back uh when he was returning to the role that he was telling me he'd gone through a tragedy uh, he'd lost someone very dear to him and it had taken him about a year to sort of go through that valley and to start to come up out of it and he was sitting there talking and he said that playing homes was like playing an, an empty vessel when he first approached it there was it was it was like you know playing the shell of a computer it there was nothing inside and so he had to he the actor had to fill himself up with content with things and emotions and things that made up this real life breathing character that he could portray on a screen and he said very much like in his personal life he had to fill himself back up with the positive things of life just to go on and so i think you know again i i hear this in my head and i think again about those who have been sequestered you know luckily i've been around other people to a, a a better degree or a longer degree but again i think of this writer this artist that i was listening to the other night some of the others what has it done to you in terms of storing up the experiences that helps us create and write how do you deal with it are you even aware of it you know and and i think maybe to some extent what you're saying is to slowly uh you know begin to to uh, attend gatherings or generate gatherings in smaller groups to start and then more so but i think one of the things you said was a writers group maybe get together with a few other creatives you know or in this case writers and talk about it a bit and then do maybe some writing exercises or talk about the work that you're already working on but make sure that you're aware because i don't believe and i could be wrong but i don't think i am i don't believe that this year plus hasn't had any effect on us oh i th- i think it has yeah i think it's just about identifying how you've been affected by it and and whether or not you feel the need or the you know the want to do anything about that or to address it or to reflect it and and i think that there might be a temptation for a lot of writers to write about covid or a virus or this or that um but i think they might be missing the the bigger experience not in terms of history because covid huge but in terms of personal life um i i will admit that i've seen uh the virus used extremely well in one of the stories in Mystery Right of America's um a stranger comes to town it was used as a ticking clock in the background it was mm. spread towards 
where the character was. And the character was in the medical profession and knew she would have to be, like, basically in the hospital forever working. So whatever she had to accomplish, time was running out to accomplish it. And that was, mm-hmm. so that wasn't about COVID, but it was, you know, or about a virus, but it was in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we might see some of that, that kind of stuff. But I think the real gold is the nuances we found in seclusion about ourselves and others. And then the things, the, the, the beautiful details of life that we find as we emerge, mm. you know, and the, the dynamic tension or the difference between those two and that kind of stuff, I think will influence a lot of characters and a lot of writing over the next, I would probably say three to five years, mm. you know, um, where it goes, I don't know. Um, you know, people say, well, you know, there's going to be a, a slew of viral, you know, virus-themed horror stories. I think there's going to be a slew or a, a movement of um, trapped in the house or haunted house or um, a deserted island or <laughs> you know, isolated and um, having to find a way out or that kind of stuff, or when, when we reemerge, the world is not going to look the same to us as it did when we were taking everything for granted. And I mm. think that's going to influence a lot of writing, you know, um, especially since so much of political and social things have happened while we were stuck indoors. What happens now when that goes out, when there's, um, you know, the the extreme, more extreme even than, you know, the last 20 years, uh, divided politics, um, uh, uh, sharp and uh, eloquent uh, discussions, if not demands, from various uh, um, corners of society. Mm. What happens when society gets back together, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, we start bumping up against each other. Is it going to be more aware, or are people going to get more? I I don't know, but I think it's a very rich set of experiences that are coming our way. And and hopefully, folks will be able to reflect on them as well as reflect them well in their storytelling. Yes, (laughs) everybody. Take it a step at a time and relax, you know. And if it gets overwhelming, there's no reason why you can't leave a party early or finish your shopping in another time, at another time, or whatever it is. You mm-hmm. know, you go as far as you can and then you come back, you know. Yeah. And uh, oh, that, cool. becomes, that becomes part of your story, too, yeah. you know. I would, I would love it, uh, folks, if you would um, regale us with your thoughts about this. You know, uh, have you experienced anything about this? You know, you're coming out into the light again and all that. And have you had any kind of reactions you want to share with us? Uh, have you decided on the next round of stories or poems or anything that you're going to create? And is that influenced by what you've just gone through? Anything that you want to comment on that we've talked about today would be great. I would love to hear it or read it or see it. And um, let me also, doing a quick segue, uh, we would particularly love to maybe even refer to or uh, answer questions or dialogue about whatever you share with us over these next uh, eight to ten episodes because we are slowly moving towards our 200th episode. July 18th of 2020 will be number 200 of Tell the Damn Story. That's right. That's really not that far away. No, it's not. And and uh, to make it extra special as we are building to that, we have reached out to the universe and we've pulled in uh, some interviews that are going to be just not only inspiring and informative, but gosh darn fun, too. So we're going to be... We, uh, did, talk- get one, uh, we did get one rejection, though. Who's that? The goddess? 
now I, I called up Christopher Lloyd and he said, get out! Get out of there! <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back on Chris later. We'll get him. We'll get him. Uh, but who we did get is we'll be talking with, over the next few weeks, we'll be talking with Jamal Igle. We'll be talking with... Our old friend. Yes, uh, artist, illustrator par excellence. We'll be talking with, and it's funny because I think more people who maybe listen to this show will know this next name from his editorial or writing capacity within the comic book industry, uh, Alex Segura. Mm-hmm. Alex Segura. But Alex Segura, who, yes, uh, has done a lot of uh, promotional work and stuff for DC and Archie, and he's done a lot of writing for Archie. And all. Yeah, but Alex is also known as a writer of novels, detective novels, mystery yes. novels. And he's got a really good Twitter. He's good to follow on Twitter. Oh, okay. So Alex Segura on Twitter, you know, that, that, but bef- you can start there, but we're going to have him on the show. We're also going to have Dr. Um, uh, I'm sorry, not Dr., but uh, Jesse Holland, who is a writer and editor. And, and I got to work with Jesse because he helped put together what well, he helped. He, he came up with and put together the wonderful uh, Black Panther Tales of Wakanda anthology. Excellent. Pulled 18 wonderful uh, writers together. Yes, I get to say I was one of them. And Jesse also uh, was a writer among among that crowd, too. So uh, Jesse will be with us, as will about two or three other people. And, and, and producer of the Batman movies. What? I <laughs> Good breathing there, right? <laughs> Michael Uslan. Yes, Michael will be joining us for a heart-to-heart, head-to-head conversation about all things uh, creative, legal, and film, and um, young man interest with Batman and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, because Michael's, it's, Michael's got so much to him, and he's got such an interesting, such an interesting story of how, of where he started and how he wound up where he is. And uh, I've been uh, blessed to be uh, around him for a few of those moments and those conversations that he's had. And so he's going to be sharing a lot of that with us as well. And there's a couple of other people that will be coming. So either way, over the next 10 episodes, it's going to be just jam-packed because we're coming up on the big two zero zero. Yeah, That's right. That's and, right. And that's no lightweight effort. I'm going to tell you right now. No. Yeah. Um, so let's let's see what we can get uh, from the audience as far as questions and suggestions and yeah, oh, yeah. and uh, you know we'd love to throw that in next episode. Next few episodes. That's right. We're we're right. open to it. And and you know what? This episode was brought to you by, even though we didn't say anything about it, but it's right over Chris's shoulder. For those of you who can't see it, of course. Take it away, Chris. It's brought to you by Infinitum, by Tim Fielder, co-founder of Tell the Damn Story. Yay, Tim! Ladies and gentlemen, there's, this is an epic that deserves you experiencing it. It goes from the deepest past to the far-flung future, future, yes. Far-flung future and um, tackles ideas and imagination in the Tim Fielder style. Very, very visual. Um, uh, just absolutely inventive uh, uh, imagining and, and storytelling. It's a graphic novel. A graphic it's a novel. graphic novel. Be- yeah. Big, beautiful one-page panels or full-page panels and uh, glorious. If you haven't picked it up yet, this is how can we, I don't know. We've, we've it's beauty. recommended it's it beauty. every yeah. week for like yes. two months now. Because, yes. I mean, it's, it's just wonderful stuff. And, and if you course, haven't picked that by now, we'll come for you. Yes, go ahead. Next. That's right. Well, we, you know, uh, although they're preparing to, to put out the, two, the 2021 Bujikan uh, anthology, but this is California Scheming, edited by Art Taylor, which has one of my stories in it. Thank you very much. Yes, uh, yes. The debut of Hellhounds. And uh, there and there, of course, we're, we've mentioned before Black Panther's Tales of Wakanda, a groundbreaking anthology from the African diaspora with 18 um, writers, including the legendary icon, Alex Simmons, <laughs> edited by future guest Jesse L. Uh, excuse me, Jesse J. Holland. 
And of course, there is the line of uh, Alex Simmons's Blackjack Rapid Reads, uh, written by, of course, Alex Simmons and occasionally Christopher Ryan. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Occasionally, my 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 left toenail. Uh, Chris is as much in there as I am, and it's uh, we've got um, a trial by fire, trial by ice. We've got. Uh, there you uh, go. You get a, a story from each of us on that one. Yeah, right. Uh, you've got, a, you know, King's Ransom and a bunch of other great Ransom of a Dead King. And we've got a, a bunch of other good, good stories in there. So yeah. check those out. I don't we, we don't want to get the complaints from the loyal, loyal fans of these other two. So we better cover it. And that is William Evans and Omar Holman's Black Nerd Problems. Uh, anthology of um, essays from those two outspoken geniuses, uh, funny, irreverent, and then deeply, soul-stirringly insightful. Don't miss that one. And of course, it just came out officially this week. I got my uh, yes. ordered copy. Um, footnotes, the black artist who rewrote The Rules of the Great White Way by the one and only Tassine Gaines. This is a fantastic, beautiful read. Really well done, and um, if you haven't read that, come on, summer's coming. You need your reading. Yes, you just gave me six, five or six ideas, ladies and gentlemen. Break out the beach chair, the mint juleps, and stack these books up right on that little table. You know, and just go out. Yeah. Get a crowd. You'll take your mask off. (laughs) Read as far as you can until you freak out and run back inside. Chris, as always, an absolute pleasure. Everybody, thank you, thank you for being here. We'll see you next week. Um, and as, as Jack Lord used to say, aloha. <laughs> Peace and good health. Take care, everybody. Take care.